0: I'm seeing more and more these days uh, a very disturbing pattern where it's one shortage after another. The latest uh, of the shortages seems to be this uh, baby formula formula shortage, very odd. Uh, You wouldn't think that that's such a big deal, but there it is. And of course, uh, a lot of people are really struggling. And this is on top of the meat shortage that uh, we were hearing about a couple of months ago. And now we're also learning about an electricity shortage. It's bad stuff uh, to say nothing of the gas shortages. And soon enough, we'll have toilet paper shortages again. And, you know, you have to wonder, this, this wouldn't have happened under Trump's watch. It wouldn't have happened under, you know, to, to give credit to Obama, wouldn't have happened under Obama's watch, perhaps. I don't know. But I just know that it's happening right now under the Biden administration. And there's only so much he can blame on for COVID or for the um, or for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I mean, those seems to be the, the two go-to things that he says. So I, I just don't know how to describe and to explain it all. <clears throat> but with me uh, on that very score, and also how to deal with this, how to, how to respond to the bizarre goings on in our country uh, is Will Witt, the great Will Witt from PragerU, the man on the street who manages to convince people so well to the other side. So I, I find it very interesting. Um, well, there's a little bit of a, a click there. I don't know if you uh, can hear that on your end. <clears throat> I hope it's not on my end. Um, but if you hear it, let me know, and we'll uh, kind of deal with it that way. But anyway, I, <clears throat> I just I want to welcome you to the Brock podcast because uh, it is – I read your book. Uh, it's a fantastic book post. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. What a great title. Uh, what, what made you think – I mean, I know, of course, you thought about you know the, the famous book, How to Win Friends. And, influence people. But <clears throat> what, uh, why did you choose that title? I mean, was it just a, a moment of, um, of, a, of an epiphany of some
1: sort? Yeah, a little bit of an epiphany. And again, thanks for having me on the show. But I think it really came down to that that book is about you know, talking to people, convincing people, winning friends, and having people like you and enjoy the things that you're talking about. You're not always going to be liked as a conservative. And so that's why I think exp- uh, changing the word people with, with enemies is actually a, a good fit and knowing how to talk to them. And so I think really the purpose of my book was to convince people that you don't have to get angry at every person you're talking to. You don't have to be demolishing them with facts and facts and facts like conservatives have thought that they've had to do. It's about having conversations through persuasion that can actually change minds. You can change minds through questions just by talking to people, by putting facts into your questions, by being compassionate. Truly, those are actually better ways to change minds than just pushing someone on all this different data or information. There are ways to do it. Where you can convince someone of everything, of anything, and so that's why I chose the
0: title of the book. And you know, it, it went well with the original. I think. Well, I'm not sure it, what he would it think. Really, it's fantastic. So. <laughs> well, I, I certainly enjoyed it, and I found it to be a straightforward, you know, easy flow read. Um, and you conquer many different subjects, from abortion to uh, the Middle East, uh, to minimum wage, uh, affirmative action, and so many other such uh, areas. And and it's really great to to read it. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reader that knows a lot of the information, uh, the, the background information that you provide. But like you said, it's, it's the way you package it. Um, I, there's this, this old joke of these, uh, this mom, mom and dad that they're in a, a bazaar. You'll love this story, Will. Uh, they're in a bazaar and they're selling tchotchkes, little trinkets, uh, you know, from their little stall. And uh, a messenger comes, uh, from, this is the old days, where he comes with a telegram from their son all the way from America. And they 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 can't read English. So they say, you know, I think Ahmed from the stall next door, I think he speaks English. Let's ask him. Well, they go to Ahmed. Ahmed is very busy. He's very curt and he looks at it quickly and uh, when they ask him to read it, and he says, "Mom, dad, send money." And they sho- shoves it back to them. And the mother turns to the father and says, "I can't believe our son is so rude." And and he goes, yeah, I, I agree. That's just awful. And they said, you know, it, maybe Ahmed didn't read it right. I, I mean, Mufasa, you know, three stores down, you know, he, I think he also reads English. And maybe we can ask him. Maybe he just misinterpreted it. And so sure should they to go there. And Mufasa is not so busy. It's, it, he's a nice guy. And they said, look, uh, this is a telegram from our son. We don't know what it says. Can you please translate? And so he looks at it and, and he says, yeah, I'll translate. It says, Mom, dad, send money. And, so now that the mother, and then the mother turns to the father and says, well, now that he's asking nicely, you know, <laughs> so it's all in the delivery, right? Yeah, exactly. it was such a sweet story. Oh, I, a I love that story, joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's what you're talking about. It's exactly the right. same facts. And yet you can package it in a much more digestible way. I guess that's the right word. And... This is what I like about it so much. And, and here we are dealing with abortion, right? This is, I mean, it came, came to the fray. Uh, you know, I, I always like to say that 1973, when Roe v. Wade came down, I was just 10 years old, not even 10 years old when it came down. Uh, yes, I'm not old, thank you very much. I appreciate you not bringing it up. Uh, but in any event, uh, I, I just imagine that the Supreme Court justices at the time after they published the decision and you know, kind of like you know, uh, clapping their hands and, and patting each other on the back and saying, well, Glad we resolved that problem, all done. There won't be any crisis or controversy about that anymore, right? And here we are some almost 50 years later uh, with this disaster uh, that abortion has been. And how do we, Well, how do we respond to this? How do we convince people uh, of how horrible abortion is and why we really need to change the whole dynamic?
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, a lot of people right now talking about Roe v. Wade and say, oh, you know, there's this precedent and it's been here for 50 years. Of course, these things can't change. Plessy versus Ferguson was there for 58 yeah. years before it got overturned, right? There is there's, there's not some precedent just because it's been there for a while. There's so much that people just don't know about U.S. history when it comes to, you know, Supreme Court decisions. But anyway, the number one thing that you can do to change people's minds on this and the way that I outline in my book is actually walking people through the stages of life. And so I'll talk to people like when I've done abortion videos on campus, I'll say, Are you fine with an abortion in nine months? And they say, Yeah, I guess I guess so that could work. And then you explain to them the the, the pattern of life that's actually happening at that point. You know, talk to them about premature babies who have come out. Albert Einstein was a premature baby who lived a fantastic life. You're saying you would have aborted that, killed that before that. Go down to six months, tell them about the signs of life. Three months. Tell them about the 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 fingernails and the hair, and they have a nervous system. Tell them about three weeks, twenty one days, that they have a heartbeat. You know, and you can continue to go back until you get to essentially sperm meets egg, and say, okay, if you can't define life for for that, then maybe that's the point where we say, okay, abortion is you can't do an abortion, right? Yeah, And that's yeah. really what it's about, because you have to you have to backtrack with people about the stages of life, because most people just don't know. Again, you'll hear the clump of cells argument all the time and say, oh, it's just a clump of cells, so that doesn't matter. You'll hear the argument, right. and people will say, oh, you, uh, it, a woman can't – or uh, uh, the baby can't survive on its own if it's taken out of the womb. Well, could a baby who's one year old, if it was taken and put out on the street, could it survive by itself or survive at home by itself? No, of course
0: that's not. That's a great you know, point. The, the, wow, great so, point.
1: Yeah, There's so many arguments against abortion that it's pretty laughable that it's it's for a lot of conservatives, they say it's a losing issue. But the only reason that conservatives say it's a losing issue, and I think those are loser conservatives who say it's a losing issue, who don't want to talk about it because it might ruffle feathers, but it's because they've turned it into a woman's rights issue. You know, they've turned it into a woman's rights issue instead of a human life issue. If you can turn it away from a human life issue and make it about supporting women and, you know, women can't work unless they can kill their kid, then you're going to win all these other women and all these people on the left to say, okay, abortion's fine. And you have a small group of of radical people who are fine with just butchering children in the womb. They're barbarians, these people. But you have a lot of people who just think that it's a woman's rights issue and so then don't want to talk about it at all. And so that's really yeah. what the, the crux of the argument that you have to be able to get to. And again, through asking questions,
0: taking the, the facts, and then putting them in question form. You know, it's interesting how you say that, because uh, Bill Maher, who's not known for his conservative bona fides, right, he, um, he recently said, well, I, I'm learning a couple of things in this whole abortion debate, uh, specifically because things have been rising up and frothing up once again now because of this decision, this apparent decision. And... Um, he says, I, I did not know that the uh, majority of the pro-life movement are women. You would think that that's you know, something. And he also rattled off a couple of other interesting facts that he did not know at the time. And he found them to be somewhat compelling. So, so much for the my, my, uh, my body, my choice sort of thing. Um, the argument that I hear yeah. from a lot of people, it's, it's, it's all the same old arguments, right? Nothing new. Uh, the my body, my choice. You've heard that before, which we can easily refute. And I'll—I'd like to throw a throw a metaphor for you, and and let me know what you think about it. But this notion that somehow, if you're a man, if you don't have a uterus, you know they're they're very clever now about the the whole woman man distinction because they have to dance around that. But if you don't have a uterus, you have no business uh, opining about the uh, issue regarding abortion. You're, you're not you're not part of the equation, stand, stand off, get the, get the heck out of this discussion. But they seem to be totally fine with it so long as you, as you're, you are pro-choice. If you're pro-choice then and then you're a man, well then by all means come, mm-hmm. come in and step into the fray, join us. Uh, but wait a minute, that, that presumes that the only right decision as a woman uh, is the decision to kill the baby. Uh, in other words, what they call pro-choice. So it's, it's, a, it's a disingenuous argument. Now, here's the metaphor that I want to throw at you and, and see what you think about this. Um, and I said this on my Sunday show the other day. This, my body, my choice. This, the, the idea is, hey, it's my body. This is inside me. I can do with it what I want to uh, because, you know, that's, that's my body. Isn't that the same thing as saying, look, this is my house. You stepped into, the, into my house. I don't like what you're, what you're saying. Let's say you're, you're fighting for global warming or whatever, and uh, I get to kill you. I, I, don't, I don't know that there's much of a difference. And, right. and I, I've heard people scratch their heads and they say, well, it's different. And I, I say, how is it different? Um, well, because they can't survive outside of the womb. But okay, but the my body, my choice argument is still the same thing because it's still her body, right? If, at, at, at eight months and three weeks, let's say, a week before the baby is due, then surely she's able to kill the baby then, right? I mean, why isn't it any different in that situation? Anyway, what do you think about that? Well, I think you brought up a really interesting point. It's been kind of something that I've been
1: harping on a lot in a lot of my recent videos and things I've been talking about, is that you talk about the left's logic, and you're kind of bringing up the fact that also they're very hypocritical in many of the things that they say. And so I hear lots of conservatives always talking about the left being hypocritical and you know all these kind of things. But I think that they know that they're hypocritical because what I've come to realize is that that argument of coming and saying, you know, the left, they're hypocrites. They have these standards that they don't follow. It's like, that's the point. They don't follow these standards because they don't have any standards for those kind of things. They have a rule set for them. And then they have a rule set for you. It's like I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, you know, I haven't said anything like pro Putin or anything like that, but people said, well, Will, your, your line of thinking and questioning is like, People will call you pro-Putin. Shouldn't you come out and say that you're anti-Putin? It's like, why do I need to come out and say that I'm anti-something when people are falsely accusing me of something? There's no right. there's no reason for that. And so they have a set of rules, right. and then they have a different set of rules for us. And so that's what the right needs to start to understand, is that if we try and play by our rules with the left and how they act, then we are going to right. continue to lose because they are – they of a totally different set of standards. We need to understand that, okay, if they're going to be hypocrites, we don't be hypocrites too, but we understand that they're not going to be logical in anything that they do. So there's there's no sense in trying to
0: find the logic You know, I've often said that if if you and I want to just spend time looking over all the hypocrisies and the contradictions, you and I would probably spend 48 hours, uh, what am I saying, Four, uh, four days, not 48 hours, four full days, you know, nonstop without sleep showing all the contradictions, you know, not even starting with, but just as an example, Pelosi not wearing a mask and when she's telling everyone else to wear a mask, you get the idea. Um, They get to protest in front of the uh, justices' homes and uh, intimidate them. But when it comes to January 6th, of course, that was a crisis uh, that that America should never forget somehow. That's a threat to to democracy, not not what they're doing. That's not a threat to democracy at all. Um, So we could do that all the time, but see, that's not, and as you say, it's not the point. They don't care about the contradictions. That's not a winning argument, as you say. Uh, it's only about what suits their position right now. What is yep. their position right now? And uh, what I love about conservatism is that everything within it is consistent. Everything. There's no, no position that you take uh, with, with regard to one position, let's say minimum wage, and that's somehow an position that's inconsistent with affirmative action, for example. It's not. Everything flows beautifully together, whether it's limited government, the right to privacy, of course, um, the the, 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 sanct- the sacred nature of the individual and the family, um, and God, of course, all those things. What, what, you know, I talked in the very beginning of this, Will, about all these crises that seem to be happening, the shortage suddenly of, of baby food, baby formula, I think it is, Uh, electricity, um, meats, and, of course, gas. And and there will be more things like that. Uh, I'm concerned not only from inflation point of view, but from a supply point of view. And I'm concerned that it's actually being done on purpose Um, because there seems to be no real effort to just go back to what Trump, not not just what Trump had done, but whatever previous presidents have done. They've all done it. They've all said, let uh, capitalism flow. Let business flow. Why don't we just go back to that? But no, somehow it seems like Biden is, is purposefully making sure that we have these shortages. The answer to avoid these shortages is very clear, but he doesn't want to pursue them. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're, it's
1: very, very clear that these people are letting this happen for a reason. If you can let the people suffer, if you can let the people starve where they feel like they need something, they need someone to pull them out (laughs) of the hole that they're in. Who are they going to look to? They're going to look to the government. They're going to look to yeah. what's coming to be the CCP lobbying in America and having total influence <laughs> over our electoral system. Uh, they're going to look to the World Economic Forum types and the things that they're proposing. They're going to look to Bill Gates and failure of remdesivir and all these different things. Like they, they are going to look for someone to help them because you have demoralized them. The American people are demoralized right now. I think at a degree that at least in my lifetime, I'm only 25, but at least in my lifetime that that I haven't seen. And I see that on conservatives, I see that on the left, I see a very nihilistic attitude of people where they say, none of this stuff matters and I just want someone to take care of me. And that's a very bad attitude to have because it leads to a very dangerous society. It leads to people who are not going to, first of all, be creative or passionate or articulate things in a a manner that's actually going to be good for helping our society and culture grow, but it's also going to create disingenuous and, and degenerate people like the fall of Rome who are going to actually really work to destroy the public because they hate what everything is and so i think we have a lot of big problems right now and i think that people are doing it on purpose to get us into a more controllable position and for me it feels very much like a brave new world type of uh, identity rather than a 1984 because the brave new world is essentially people come to love their chains their servitude where in 1984 it's not so much like that but and i think that's really where we're going to I think, I think that's the future of, of America in the West with the technocrats and the modernity and,
0: and all of these things. It's really looking like Brave New World. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. And I think someone has pressed the play button, whether that's George Soros or otherwise. But clearly, this is part of a, step, uh, a step-by-step a step process. And, and they have to go with it. They have to run with it at this point. Uh, and that includes uh, the racial division that they're trying to foment and say that all Blacks, particularly Blacks, and but minorities, generally speaking, are somehow victims. And you need, you need to go after the uh, those rich old white guys, and uh, they're stealing it from you. This is very unhealthy. Then, of course, the gender issues, uh, trying to collapse the distinction between male and female, which is one of the most important distinctions that we can have from the Bible and otherwise. Uh, but, but where you can really tell that something is going on uh, is twofold. One is the complete ignorance of nuclear energy as an alternative uh, fuel source that is uh, mm-hmm. carbon free and all the things that they claim to love and that's that's uh, issue number one um and the complete ignorance of what's happening at the border where we will have soon enough uh any between estimates between 15 and twenty thousand uh illegal immigrants per day coming and streaming in through through our border and the white house says nothing about it nothing So clearly, they they want that to happen. They're not taking any steps to make it stop. Uh, The uh, Title 42, for example, is a good example of of how it shows that they're not interested in doing anything about it. They would clearly at least keep that in place for the time being. But they also know that the way to stop illegal immigration is by continuing on with what Trump had done. They didn't have to touch anything. Instead, they totally unraveled whatever Trump had done. And here we are. So I, I think we both agree that something's afoot, as they say. But back to your book and, and back to the way we handle things, because I, you know, what is the answer to this, Will? I mean, I, I, for me, it's about going out there and convincing people one at a time. Um, and you never know the person that you influence, how he's going to in turn be an influencer to others. I mean, look at yourself, for example, right? You, you saw a couple of PragerU videos and boom, suddenly you're not only a part of PragerU, but you're a major influencer out there. And think of all the people that you've changed. And I've seen it on your own videos. Um, and then uh, Amala, for example, she's a great influencer herself. Just one small little change and suddenly, boom, she becomes a connector and an influencer in so many ways. And I know that's true for Candace Owens and, and many other great people like, uh, who had once been on the left. So what, what, do, you, what do you think? I mean, it, your technique is very good. I, I've seen you on your videos and I, I'm jealous because you, you have such an easygoing approach to it. And I thought, I think this guy has, you know, huevos, as they say, uh, to just get into the fray. And nothing, unravel, you know, ruffles you. It's, it's a nice uh, quality. Anyway, t- tell me about, what, you know, what do you think when you're going into these crowds and trying to convince them? You're going into very unfriendly crowds. Just tell me what goes on in Will Witt's mind. Well, the
1: idea that's always been is that when I go out and film a video, my video is not to make content for conservatives to get riled up. My video is to change people's minds. And if you have yeah. that type of mentality when you are going in, instead of just, oh, I want to get this liberal on camera looking like an idiot, it's like that's that's not going to, to really do you much good in the long run. It can be good for a video. might get lots of views. It might sometimes get more views than some of my videos. That's fair because you're making something that's very inflammatory, but that's never been the type of video that I've done. And Granted, of course, there are tons of my videos where the left looks very stupid. Uh, that's, that's just par for the course. That's, that's how it's going to go. But, but they look stupid in a way that we are proving something irrefutable wrong about their arguments. You know, And you can go and do this in just such a good way. I mean, going back to the illegal immigration, all you have to do is say, ask someone and say, how much do you think uh, every Californian spends on illegal immigration a year on average? And they'll say, I don't know. And you say, what do you think? If it's $2,500, is, isn't that a lot of money? You know, and just right there, you're already opening it up. And they say, wow, I didn't know the average household spent that much money on illegal immigration. <laughs> and now we're sending $40 billion to Ukraine. You want to get that sent on your bill that you're also paying for? You know, it's like you can do all, like, all of these things through the questions and don't do it in a loaded way. Don't do it in an uncompassionate way. You're doing it in a way where you are genuinely trying to Sorry. talk to this person, genuinely trying to talk yeah. to this person and have a good conversation.
0: I mean, just. Well, that you know. really comes out. It really comes out. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't hurt when you say once in a while to the ladies, especially, do you like my beard? You know, and they say, oh, they love yes, it. yes, I like they it. They love it. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I, I just, I would never have thought to ask anybody, especially the, uh, the cute girls uh, when I was uh, 25 or so, hey, do you like my beard? Out of the blue like that. But it's fun. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you, get, you get them to loosen up a little bit. I think uh, they're ready to kind of play in, in that department. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I found... And this is before I, I ever knew you, before you ever became a prae-or-you uh, person, that the most effective thing I've ever done is to do what you're doing, which is ask questions. Um, so, for example, Israel, I, I, every once in a while I bump into somebody who is very anti-Israel, but, but not, not from an anti-Semitic point of view, but they just conclude that Israel is a bad country because that's what they hear from all their friends. And they start saying, they talk about apartheid. They talk about how savage Israel is and things like that. And then what I, what I did is I said, uh, putting on what would eventually become the Will Witt uh, hat. I said, can we, you know, I, I'd love to debate. You'd love to talk to you about this. But before we talk, can you tell me how big Israel is? And then they stop and they say, well, I, I don't know. It's, it's such an irrelevant question. And I said, well, just, just help me, indulge me. You know what size is it compared to, let's say, uh, one of the states of America or a couple of states of America? Just give me a give me an estimate. And will they always say the same thing? Texas. They always yeah, say it's the size of Texas, right? So I said, okay, I don't correct them. And then I said, okay, now the, the Arab countries that Israel is having difficulties with, you put them all together. Um, how big are they? And uh, been kind of thinking, and then very quickly they say Texas. So to them, it's a Texas versus Texas situation. Then I ask, okay, that's fine. Uh, what is the population ratio between Israel on the one hand and the Arab uh, countries that they're that we're fighting uh, and, uh, as well as the Palestinians? What is it? Is it one to one? Is it one to 1.5? What do you think? And they say, yeah, one to one. And then I say, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, and then one last question, um, how many democracies are there in the Middle East and which ones are they? So they say, I, I don't know. I have no clue. So then eventually, I, I tell them the answers. You know, Israel is as small as New Jersey. It's, uh, the, the rest of the Arab countries that surround it uh, are the size of uh, all of the United States, including Alaska, if not more. Uh, the population ratio is 400 to 1, uh, Israel being the one. Uh, and of course, Israel being the only democracy in the Middle East. And, and I say, now nah, do you want to debate? <laughs> And then, they, you know, I've exposed them. I've, I've exposed their own ignorance without insulting them. And that's what you do. You do it really well. So what, what is the, the, you know, among all the videos that you've had, what is the one, if you can remember, the one where you thought, wow, I just can't believe the ignorance of, of the, the, the people I just spoke to. Do you have, have you, do you have one in mind in particular, one subject? You know, there's a lot. I can more think of, I guess, moments
1: than than whole videos like i mean i had the guy who told me that he was going to get a vasectomy because of climate change because he he didn't want to have his his children being to the to destroy the next world you know that's that's one of those moments that's just insane i mean i had yeah. the moment where i was dressed up as a native american i got all my my garb pulled yes. off to me that was one of the best ones um, they actually came up to you and, and pulled off the garb from you oh yeah yeah they kicked me they they drove me off campus and they threw took all my my stuff off they ripped it off my head
0: yeah wow so, that's that's you know legally that's called an assault but okay fine right yeah i'm like uh oh,
1: some college chick right. i'm not gonna press charges wow. or something you know they can keep my head yeah, of course not. and I, I think they <laughs> kept it if i if i remember correctly i think because they brought out a class it was like a teacher this is how screwed up universities right. are everyone you can it was a professor who brought out her class because they saw that i was on campus it was like a anthropology class to come and see like this is what people do that is horrible you know so i was like a case uh-huh. study for them there's like kids taking <laughs> notes as these people are yelling death threats at me i mean it's just insane it's insane and, and so then wow. they i think they kept the headdress this fake headdress from like party city in uh like a in the room like showcasing like you can't do this you know i'm like an example at this school wow
0: <laughs> wow so yeah. But but then also I think you you wore like a Mexican sombrero at one another uh-huh. point and yeah. uh-huh. and and some you know authentic Mexicans uh, thought it was cool that you were wearing that. right I mean, you had just bought it from another stand I think just uh, across the way. Yeah, from something. Mexicans. Yeah. yeah
1: I love so, that video uh, because that vi- that's that's probably that might be the video I'm most well known for. The video where I dressed yeah. up as a Mexican. Because that one yeah. is just, it's, first of all, it's very funny and, and comical, but it's also just irrefutable evidence that the left is wrong. There's no way. I mean, you can't watch that video and say that, that, that the left is right about cultural appropriation. I mean, it is legitimately beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know, it's not like we talk to thousands of people or anything. But we talk to a lot of people, and it's just beyond a shadow of a doubt they are wrong.
0: They are wrong. There's nothing right. that they can say for it. And that video proved yeah. it completely. I had another video of yours that I love so much and I actually quoted it and referred to it in my book, atheism destroys. Uh, and that's the one where you went to a campus of some kind. I think it was a California public school and some guy didn't like what you had to say. And he called the police on you.
1: And Cal State, he said,
0: oh, that's what it was. Okay. And, and he explained to the police that this guy is, uh, is assaulting him, meaning you, that you were assaulting him when we, with your words and your diatribe, and it was really insulting him and it was offending him. And the police you know, correctly said, dude, I mean, this is America, this is free speech. And he, he, he was so flabbergasted. The idea that someone could say something that might hurt somebody else in terms of his feelings, that was just, you know, his mind was blown. And you could see it on his face. And that was a beautiful video. How you managed to capture that one moment uh, was, a, was a thing of beauty. I got to tell you, it was, it was great. Thank but you. I think he's, it's really emblematic of, of people who, who just have no concept of what America is, uh, certainly not what free speech is or liberty means. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. Yeah. To me, my I think, mind, I think, I think uh, Will, is oh, – go, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I almost think that
1: these people do know. I think that, that they do know what free speech is supposed to be. But I think that they disagree with the concept. I think that when you are one of these people who is one of these radical leftists, I mean, democracy to the left means destroying <laughs> anyone else's opinions except for your for your own, your tribe, right? That's democracy yeah. to the left. Shut down dissenting opinions, and then you have this democracy of nice people who are now the ones who are controlling. Right. You know, that's that's power to the left. <clears throat> That's how they decide things. And so versus where we say we believe in free speech for everyone, everyone can have a say and talk. That's what true democracy is. That's what our constitutional republic is about. Democracy to them is let's shut down the racists in in Wyoming and Fresno and and Texas. And then then we can finally have democracy now that we have the evil people out. And that's the difference between the left and the
0: right. That is so true. And not only that, Will, but they also, it's funny how they describe all, all the evil countries that are communist or formerly fascist as well. They, they describe themselves in democratic or republic terms, right? The Union of Soviet mm-hmm. Socialist Republics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, the GDR, uh, the former East Germany, uh, that was, a, R was a republic. Um, mm-hmm. the Republic. Um, the CCP, the People's Republic of China. Yeah. And likewise with North Korea. They're all republics or democracies when, of course, they're not. So mm-hmm. you're so right that they want to trash um, any uh, conflicting evidence or statements or opinions and, and thereby declare themselves a democracy because they all agree with, with one another. So isn't that great? Right. They know, all like, agree we, with we shutting down, down the other opinions. Right, <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I, I, love, I love the Simpsons and I only want to talk to other people who love the Simpsons. That's it. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. Isn't right. this great? We have a wonderful democracy. Um, mm-hmm. here, here's another issue and, and you're on the forefront of this. I have noticed, especially in the 2020 riots, and yes, they were riots. They were not peaceful demonstrations. <clears throat> By the way, I always say to people, uh, if you think that these were mostly peaceful riots, would you like to have a mostly peaceful uh, demonstration? Rather? And I would say, do you always, would you like to have a mostly peaceful demonstration in front of your house? Mostly peaceful. You know, only right. one molotov cocktail thrown through your window. Everything else is, is peaceful. Would you like that? That's mostly peaceful. Anyway, so um, that's, that's uh, one issue. But during the 2020 riots, I couldn't help but notice on the TV because I was watching them mostly through the TV until it actually came to my neighborhood in Santa Monica. That was fun. Um, Wasn't very mostly peaceful there. I'll tell you, but I, I couldn't help but notice on the TV that I was seeing some of the same people in Portland, then in Chicago, then in LA, even in New York, the same people. And I, and I, Noticed it because, in particular, because um, there was one particularly overweight girl, I'm sorry to say, but, it, but she was so overweight that it was noticeable, one of those things. She also had this kind of gesture that she did with her hands, which was also noticeable and rememberable. And I thought, wait, that girl was in Portland. Now she's in Chicago. Now she's in L.A. And, and I began to pay attention and I noticed similar people also, you know, traveling around with this, what we call the rioting circus. That's, that's really what it was. And I, I thought to myself, wait, are we, are they trying to give us the impression that this is happening much more frequently? There are a lot more people out there doing this than there actually are? I wonder. And I, I think that that might be the case. I mean, you know, only 7% of Russia were Bolsheviks, yet they took over Russia, right? Could it be that our impression of the, the woke crowd, the lefties who are violent, at least, that these people are a lot fewer numbers than we think. They're just making it seem like that there's a lot more back there. What do you think? I mean, you're in the forefront. You're the ones, you're the ones seeing all this. You, you have a better sense of what the numbers are.
1: Yeah. I mean, even look at the American Revolution. I mean, you got 3% of the colonists actually fighting in the revolution, you know, you had other people providing arms and things, but only 3% were actually right. fighting and they took, they, they won, you know, so it's, it's an amazing thing. But I, you know, we were just in a meeting actually before this, I was in a meeting with some other people, probably discussing new videos. And we were talking about the 4th of July and everything. And we were like, maybe we could do a video where we're asking people about the 4th of July and whether or not they think that, it's bad or if they should take down the flags or some sort of fake petition or something like that and i said look it's not a horrible idea but i don't think it's going to work and the reason why i don't think a video like that would work is because i don't think as many people are as radical as you know it seems like when you go on twitter there are a lot of radical people and there are more radical people on the left now more than ever and they have uh, sinisterly weaseled their way into many of america's major institutions and western europe's institutions i mean all of these types yeah. of things, the CCP, they put themselves in there. <clears throat> but I think on average, most normal people are still pretty normal. There's a lot of normal people out there who don't know much about politics, who just want to do their jobs. I mean, when they do polling and they've asked people and they say, What is the most important issue to you? they don't say January 6th riots, threat to our democracy. They say the economy, they say my job. You know, that's what people yeah. care about. So it's easy to think that there are so many radicals when you're watching <laughs> MSNBC or CNN or even Fox News talking about the radicals. You know, it's easy to think that, but they're, they're, yeah. they're not as prevalent as you, as you might think. But they're becoming, there's more and more. There's definitely more and more as this gets
0: more right. insidious. Look, it's a, it reminds me a little bit uh, of the, uh, the Boston Strangler. And there's uh, in, in LA, uh, his last name was Ramirez. I forget what they called him, but he was a, a stalker. And, and he would kill one woman every week. And for that summer... L.A. was terrified, you know, and and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been scared and and, and such like that, but uh, it was only one man uh, doing a crime, a horrific crime, of course. But nevertheless, it shut down the city based upon this very sold number. And I I think that the left is succeeding to some extent by being very noisy, by being very dangerous, uh, and by being very argumentative and demanding and and petulant and tantruming. Um, And, and they make you feel like as if you don't, if you don't believe and shout from the hilltops, like we do about our issue, whether that's transgenderism or the minimum wage, or in this case now abortion, well, then, then we're going to cancel you. We're going to do terrible things to you. We'll at the very least go outside in front of your house and yell and scream. Uh, and, And I think that's, that's the, the modus operandi now that we're seeing and I'm, of course, I'm concerned about it, uh, but I think it's going to happen more and more like this. They, they like that. This is a, a, an effective tool as far as they see it, and they will continue to do it um, until we kowtow. And I think a lot of people um, and a lot of companies uh, assume incorrectly that there is a huge amount, number of people on the left uh, supporting this and that the, the numbers are out there. And, and the way we know Will is from three different companies Disney. Twitter and Netflix, okay, mm-hmm. all of them jumped on the woke bandwagon, thinking that they were going to get a lot more attention, a lot more support, uh, and you know it's all about money in the end. And look what happened to all of them, you know, especially Disney. They lost uh, 35 billion in the span of a couple of weeks—35 billion—to say nothing of their stock share. So um, a stock price. So I think that's emblematic of how few people are really out there. Uh, saying these crazy things, but they sure are noisy. And uh, we still have to pay attention. We still have to deal with them one way or the other. And Will Witt, that's what you're doing. You're out there. And this book of yours, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, uh, really one of the best books I've read in the past five years. Really, it's, uh, it's, uh, Thank you. It, w- it was novel. It was interesting. Um, it's It took on a different approach to things. You know, look, I, I read a lot of conservative books just like you do. Uh, But more or less, you know, you you hear things that you expect to hear, but not this. This book was different. And um, I I commend everyone to read it because it'll help you shape how you discuss the issues with your uh, left-leaning friends. Maybe not your lefty friends, but your left-leaning friends and and make sure that they don't go too far left. Uh, and, And that's a very healthy approach, right? And that's your mission. How do you like uh, working with PragerU and, and how, you know, how has it been? You've grown so much in PragerU. Things have been great, man. We're just
1: expanding into more stuff. We're working on some new shows actually that I get to be a part of now that are going to be some hopefully groundbreaking stuff that I don't think anyone's doing when it comes to, again, kind of using my skill set to gauge what America's thinking. So you guys will have to wait for that. But it's just been really, it's just been really incredible. I'm speaking across the country, yeah. working on a second book now as well, all the new shows yeah. and things we're doing views wise and impact wise. It's just really,
0: it, it's been, a, it's been a dream to be here. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't it great? I mean, I, and it's been an honor for me to be, to serve on the board of, of PragerU as well. For so many years, I've been the longest serving uh, uh, board member in PragerU. And I think I always will be because uh, it's, there's certain uh, protocols involved there, but it, it's yeah. so cool. And it's such an honor to be involved in this. I mean, what is it a billion, more than a billion views per year? Right? Yeah, yeah, just about more or less. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's stunning. It's stunning. It's like what yeah. one seventh, one eighth of the planet is has <laughs> been watching Prager you Yeah. Certainly we, we are forced to be uh to be reckoned with. And Will Witt, you are forced to be reckoned with. And please just keep up the good work. You have this fantastic demeanor about you. You're easygoing, you're friendly, you're very uh armed with the facts, and you have this nice Genteel way about you that is um, very engaging. It's very hard to disagree with you when you present your way. You're, you're like that, uh, the second interpreter, you know, mom, dad, please send yeah. money. You know, send money. <laughs> yeah. So it's so cute. I, I love it. It. Uh, thank you. Will, man. thank you so much for being on the Brock Lurie podcast. It, it means uh, so much to me and, and to our listeners. And and uh, I hope to see you soon and and uh, continue on the great work with you. All right. In the meantime, it's Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless be strong and we'll talk with you next week.